Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. You already know what it is. Another episode of Gold Mines. You know what we do here. Oh, my God. Get inside the minds of amazing people. Today will be no different. This amazing individual does so much, so much history attached to the name. Goddamn. Writer, director, creative. I mean, entrepreneur. I mean, a man that basically embodies the idea of relationships and has done it for so long. I got the pleasure of saying I'm now working with him. I'm excited about working with him. A legend. And I do mean that when I say it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Craig Brewer to Gold Mines. What up, Craig? I gotta say, I was pretty impressed. I was like, who, who, who's, who's Kevin interviewing right now? <laughs> how, do, how do I do it? How do I do it, man? Question that I think that, uh, that I have for you, the, the biggest one is, you know, for the creative mind attached to writing, right, there's always something that sparked it. There's always a reason for it. Um, for you, what is it that basically sparks your interest to go in this direction with your career, right? Like, why why entertainment? Why why the creative bug of storytelling and, and movie making? What is it about it that uh, attracted you to it, and, and, and why the choice? You know, I guess uh, if I were, you know, I've been thinking now that I'm older and I now got kids, you know, teenagers and, and young adults, and I've been looking back on my life a lot and saying like, well, how did this all happen? And I, I do have to say, I think it was this need to connect with my dad. You know, I, I come from a, you know, a, a, a family that had a lot of sports. You know, my granddaddy was like this famous ball player uh, that that later became like a personality on TV. His name was Marvelous Marvin Throneberry. He played for the wow. for the New York uh, uh, Yankees and then the Mets. But then he was in these light beer commercials. I don't know if you remember these. They were back in the back in the day where there was a, a light beer gang and they would argue. Tastes great, less filling. Tastes great. Yes, I remember. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, my granddaddy'd be at the end of those, just at the end of each commercial, going, "I still don't know why they asked me to do this commercial." And it, it became like this big thing. So, sports was always something that was kind of encouraged for me. But I was just kind of like a chubby, nerdy kid that liked to watch TV, and so I got involved in in like local children's theater, you know, doing doing plays. But really, like in the in the '80s, and I try to explain this to my kids, like there was like this film festival in my, in my house every weekend because you'd go out to the video store and this is like pre blockbuster, you know, where you just go to like some TV repair shop and, and there were rented movies. And so your, 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 
your dad or your mom, like they, they, they now got to experience these movies that they love, but now I'm watching them too. And that's where like first time I saw the blues brothers it was like the first time I really saw James Brown perform. It's the first time I saw Aretha Franklin and, and John Lee Hooker. And, and so the, the more I started watching movies and loving movies and loving entertainment, it was something that my, my dad and I would do. I, re, I remember one time, this was a big deal to me is that we watched Whoopi Goldberg's like one woman show that had come out on, uh, on, on VHS was on HBO special where she did, you know, uh, all the characters, you know, and it, and I just remember it blowing my mind. I just it's probably it, one of the best, uh, I compare Whoopi Goldberg and John Leguizamo's John Leguizamo. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about the woman show, of course, there's so many more, but the ones that stood out to me, I, I specifically remember how amazing Whoopi Goldberg's one woman show was and just what it was as a performer. And of course she was a comic as well, but just for her to tap into that, to that space of artistry. Um, I knew I like looking at it now, you really understand how like dynamic and unbelievable it was in that era. And, and, and even, I just watched it recently with uh, John Singleton's uh, child, uh, justice and uh, you know, I hadn't seen it and I, and, and just to, to watch it, to see like, yeah, there was comedy, but like she completely created like five unique characters and, and then like breakfast club comes out and you're, you're watching a, you're watching this show, this movie that is basically just people talking and, and having conflict and, and people at my school, I was in junior high, they started like quoting monologues from this movie. You know, and then and that like it was 1984 was this huge year. Like Footloose came out, but then Purple Rain came out, and that that movie like really changed me. That was when I started going like, oh, you can have music tell the story with the narrative, and it can be in the stylistic way, but still like the experience that I had in that theater watching Purple Rain with this real diverse crowd and just leaping out of our seats. You were in and, the theater. You, you oh, went yeah. to the theater. That's, oh yeah. Yeah. The Sine three theater in uh, Vallejo, California, Northern California. I, 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 I'll never forget that experience. And then, and then it started like triggering me into like technical stuff. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would get like a boom box and I would realize that there were inputs on the back of it. But then I'd look at the back of my VCR. I saw that there were outputs on the back of that. And I was like, well, wait a minute, if I got like a VHS, a purple rain, that means I could record it to this boom box. And, and then like, you got to go to radio shack. And so more and more, like it started like bringing about this technical part of me just wanting to experience this movie, you know, just so I could pop it in pop purple rain, the whole movie, the audio of the movie in like my Walkman while I'm walking to school. And so it just kind of like was this constant flow of consuming movies, consuming television, and then one day just starting to write it, you know? Well, you're you're embedded in it, right? I mean, at this point, like clearly this is your... This is your atmosphere. This is your environment. So naturally, you're taking your love to the environment. Um, what I would say, like now, knowing, okay, wow, I have an interest. Oh, shit. This is what I love. Okay, this is what I want to do. The figuring out the best way or the best road into it, that's normally the toughest part. So what was the what was the idea attached to my, my end? Like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I don't know where to necessarily go or who to talk to to get or to do do but 
fuck it. This is what I'm going to do. Right. This is right. my way in. What was that? What was that space of thought for you? Well, what it was, and it's interesting because it again ties back to my dad and my dad wasn't really like, uh, you know, he was in shipping, you know, but uh, he loved theater. He loved movies. And so I had moved back into the house that he had, he was raised in, in, uh, inside of out, just outside of Memphis, Tennessee. I just started my young life, you know, and I really wanted to make movies. I, I was, I was reading every book, you know, I don't know if you remember in the nineties, it seems like there was this explosion of, of independent cinema and everybody was like putting, putting like, you know, they were, they were putting their, all their, all their budget on their credit cards and maxing out getting into debt and trying to make stuff. So I was trying to make, I was trying to make movies the way everybody was telling me to make them on film. And I, and it just, it was just a big disaster. I lost all my money. I couldn't afford to like develop the film. What do you, and, when you say all, give me, give me a figure attached uh, to that. Well, I mean like time. 30, like about, That's like, like I had spent, I'd spent about 30 grand in credit cards and, and trying to number. do it. And yeah, yeah, when you're like, you know, working at Barnes and Noble making 12 yeah. grand a year, you know, it was, it was, it was insurmountable. And I remember like I, I had, I fell into this big depression and I, and I, I called up my dad and he had read this, this movie that I wrote called poor and hungry. And it was about car thieves in Memphis, this love story that kind of took place in like the kind of the, you know, uh, crime world of Memphis, but still it was, it was a love story. And he said, Hey, you know what? And this was like 1998. He was like, you really need to figure out a way to get back to like those essentials you had when you were, young and working in theater in a black box theater where you didn't need a set. You just needed like good actors. Mm. Uh, and, and he said, get one of these video cameras, uh, get one of these new computers where you can basically edit the whole movie together. I remember he said, it's like word processing, but with images and sound, you can move images. And he, he saw it at some expo and he kind of inspired me. And I was like, Oh, but this last thing that I did, I, I lost money. He's like, you're gonna be losing money your whole life. There's gonna be times you're gonna make money, you're gonna lose money, but like, just be smart with this. So I went out, I went to Barnes and Noble, I had like a 35% discount, I got all these books. And I came back home that day. And uh, my, uh, my dad had died. Uh, mm -hmm. Very unexpectedly of a heart attack, like, and, and, mm -hmm. and I mean, that that day, like the last thing he was saying was just get out there and do it. So I got 20 grand of inheritance for my mom and I thought, well, I could pay down the 30, but she said, you know, your dad was, you know, was talking to you about this movie. Just why don't you go out and make it? So I think mm -hmm. that going out every day to try to make this movie and I was living in like a little teeny house with my wife and my, and her brother and sister, and we were making this movie like it was our last. And that movie, ultimately, if you look at hustle and flow, Hustle and Flow, if you just replace movie with rap, is us making that movie. Mm -hmm. And and that's the movie that John Singleton saw and Stephanie Lane saw, The Poor and Hungry. Jeez. And they were like, Jeez. well, what else you got? And I go, well, I, I wrote a sequel to it, or not a sequel, but it takes place in the same world called Hustle and Flow. And so this black and white movie that I still feel is like my best, and, I, and my, it's fun because my dad is listed as a producer on it, and yet he never saw it. You know, and he, he's he's never seen any of my movies because uh, he passed away. But he, it was a crucial part of my way in by way of Memphis, Tennessee, which is it, it's it's wild because I grew up in California for a lot of my life. But really, it was kind of going back to Memphis and, and, and falling in love just with my the world out there 
and and then just trying to make something that I wasn't trying to necessarily sell. I just wanted it to be as good as it could possibly be. And that's what John saw. And John was kind of like my new, not a, not necessarily a father figure, but he was like this big brother that I needed at this time in my life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. You can catch the rest of this episode exclusively on the SiriusXM app. We'll see you next week for a full episode of Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a Sirius XM and Laugh Out Loud radio production and executive produced by Kevin Hart, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. Produced by Danny Sellers and Leslie Guam. Engineered by Danny Sellers. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. We all know Kit Kat bars taste delicious, but what about how they sound? It's not just a catchy jingle. It's the satisfying crack of breaking off a piece of Kit Kat, followed by a crisp crunch. Oh, we forgot one other sound that accompanies Kit Kat bars, too. It's... Or maybe it's more like... All together, Kit Kat bars are music to our ears and yummy flavors to our mouths. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat.